you'd like to turn to the first epistle of John, and we're going to be in chapter 4, reading from verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby we know, <coughs> hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confess, confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is, <coughs> is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby we know, <coughs> hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit, spirit of error. So over the last uh, couple of months, we've gone through the first three chapters of the first epistle of John. We have been reminded of, of who Christ is and the fact that he came in the flesh. We have seen commandments to love one another and that if we do indeed love Christ, we will seek to keep his commandments, to love him and to love one another. And now today, as we come to chapter four, We'll be studying these verses we've just read, verses 1 to 6. And what we find in these six verses is that we are to test the spirits. And that's going to be our main focus this evening. Uh, We are to test the spirits and we're to test the message that false teachers bring. We'll see um, one of the doctrines of Christ being twisted and um, being shown that it is a false view of Christ. Which, he, which has been brought into the church here um, by false teachers. And John, uh, through this epistle, shows that these teachers have come, tried to bring in a false view of Christ, and have now left. And this is one of the reasons why he's writing to the church. We are also reminded of our security in Christ, which comforts us knowing that if a false teach, teaching, if a false gospel is to come, We will be not taken away with it, for we are in Christ. And finally, we will find that as believers and as a church, we cannot tolerate in the slightest false teaching, particularly that which claims uh, a false Christ, a false saviour. So let's turn to um, verse four, uh, chapter four now, verse one. Beloved, believe not every spirit but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. So at the beginning of chapter 4, John gives us two commands here. Number one, do not believe every spirit. We are not to believe every spirit. And two, try, that is to test, test every spirit. So do not believe every spirit and to test every spirit. And the reason for this is because many false prophets, that's false teachers, have gone into the world. So first of all, we must establish who is John speaking to here. Are these commands just for church leaders? Are they for those in seminary? Are they for only for the mature believers? 
You must remember that John is writing to all Christians here. This command is for all the Christians who were, were in these churches where false teaching had come. It was from the infant for, for the new believers, the babes in Christ, to the seasoned believer. John here is telling everybody that we all are to test the spirits. Now John was writing this roughly around uh, 2,000 years ago. And we have exactly the same situation today. False teachers, false prophets have made their way, way in, into churches. And a lot of these have resulted, as I mentioned, in, in cults forming. Others have taken either an independent church or a whole denomination the wrong path, down the wrong path, and away from the original beliefs that they confessed. And this is not a new thing. In Acts 15, we, we can read of the, the apostles and elders meeting at Jerusalem. There was an issue of people coming into the church and saying that faith and that salvation is in Christ plus circumcision. And that you cannot be saved unless you are circumcised. So there was a false teaching, false um, message, a false gospel coming in there. And we have um, various early church councils that met years ago to discuss various heresies that attempted to corrupt the church then. We see the down, downgrade contra- controversy that Spurgeon fought against. The Baptist Union, of which Spurgeon was a part of at that time, were denying the infallibil- infallibility of Scripture. They were de- denying the necessity and the substitutionary nature of Christ's atonement. They denied the existence and eternality of hell. They affirmed universalism. Spurgeon fought against this. Now, at times they may have denied that they were were denying the infallibility, infallibility of Scripture. They, they were saying, well, no, that's not what we're saying. But their actions sp- spoke otherwise, stated otherwise. So today, we have the prosperity gospel. We have new Calvinism. We have Hebrew roots movement. And we have many other false teachers, false teaching that can come into the church. Well, as I said, in reality, none of this is really new. There is nothing new under the sun. All heresy, all false teaching that that attacks the gospel is found in Genesis 3. uh, In Genesis 3. When Satan said, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? It started there. It started with the great deceiver when he said, Did God really say? So every false teaching, every false spirit that comes in is of Satan, and ultimately saying, did God really say? Now, today, nearly everyone will admit and confess, believers and non-believers, that Christ is an historical figure. He was seen by people. People um, noted um, that he existed. There are various writings about him. We have the scriptures, the inspired word of God, but there are other There are other statements out there. There are other writings that show that Christ existed. Now, Satan, it doesn't appear, it doesn't appear that he's overly concerned about disputing that fact. What Satan does, he he attacks the, 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 the fact of who Christ is. He likes to go against those things because if we get Christ wrong, then we get the gospel wrong. 
and therefore there is no salvation. So we must get Christ right. And it's here why John is telling us to test the spirits, to try the spirits, to see if what we are being told is actually from the word of God or is from Satan. Basically saying, did God really say that about Jesus? We are to see if the person who brings a teaching is in fact bringing a message, a true message or a false message. If it's not the true Christ, if what um, a preacher preaches is not of the true Christ, then it's not the gospel. Even if they get 99% of the gospel correct, if they get an aspect of Christ wrong, like denying his human nature, then that is not the gospel. Now the question is, how do we test these prophets, these teachers? In previous verses, um, in in, uh, the first epistle of John, we see that one of the tests was to love one another. So if these false teachers had, had come in and they were unloving and seeking their own glory, then this was one test that could be administered. There would be something wrong. There would be something um, that would jump out to the believers there. But here, John is moving on. He's saying we must test in another way. And we test by the scriptures. We test by comparing what is being taught with the word of God. Is it in line with what the Bible teaches us? And as always, our, our, our foundational verse is 2 Timothy three sixteen to 17. What is scripture? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So this is the scripture. The scripture is the word of God. If a teaching does not line up with it, then who, what are we to go with? Man's view or God's view? We are to go with God's view. It's a must for our spiritual health that we read the scriptures. If we know his word, we will be able to discern truth from error. The false teachings of Satan will not stand when compared with scripture. And the people that bring the false teaching in will, will be corrected and either turn to Christ or their teaching will be prevented from causing harm to the church. And there is another issue that maybe goes unseen in, in this view of, of false teaching that comes in. A false teacher can come in and, and proclaim a false gospel. But Satan has found other ways to sneak false teaching into the ter- church. And it comes through song. We we now have the, the nonsense of the likes of, of Hillsong and Bethel music. They create a weak and a false theology using using song as a way to get in. Um, I, I've seen the effect of this on young people. Uh, when I uh, had to take a group of young people to Soul Survivor. Now, there's an issue at the minute going along with um, the leader of that, Mike Pilavachi, that was just made, made aware of earlier um, this week. But there, it was clear that music was used to allow some real dodgy teaching to come in. The music, the words that were sung, 
might not have been outright heretical, but they were bringing in a real false view of Christ. And this is a way to get false teaching in. So not only do we have to be careful of what is taught and what is spoken, but of also what is sung. Through song, false teaching can make its way subtly into the church. But we must be stewards of what is taught and what is sung. And we have a blessing, don't we, for if we attend church regularly and come under the preaching of God's word, if we pray seeking his wisdom, if we sing hymns that are biblically sound, this will all help us to to spot error and to promote what is good and true and is of scripture. But again, this, this has to be done with a correct heart. And that heart has to be one of Christ. And we look to Christ for this. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ. Reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So in Christ, we are a new creation. We have been reconciled to God through Christ. Our sins are not placed on us, but Christ, who knew no sin, became sin for us. He took on our sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God. So if we have faith in Christ, it is because God has done a work in us. This is what Christ has done for us, even though we were born in sin, even though we rejected him and sought our own desires and sinned against, it, against him, he loved us and brought us to faith if we have faith in God. So now we are a child of God. And it's with this understanding, with knowing the love of God for us and what he has done for us, why wouldn't we want to read about Christ in his word? Why wouldn't we want to sing the truths of scripture? Why wouldn't we want to defend his church and fight against the evil that seeks to preach lies about our saviour? So when we understand who Christ is and know what he has done for us, if we have a true and a correct view of Christ and the Holy Spirit is working in us, we will understand the scriptures and we will build up our knowledge of our saviour and we'll see how wonderful he is and we will be able to spot error from truth. And one of the aspects of false teaching that John is going to focus on is in regards to Christ's humanity. And he mentions this throughout this epistle and we come to it now in verse 2. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in, in the flesh is of God. Now, if somebody was to come into the church and to seek membership, as we just read, they must must confess that Christ took upon himself human nature. 
as we, we saw in the 1689, it proclaims this. And this is what, this is a statement that they must agree to. So, as we saw in chapter 8, it focuses part on the humanity of Christ. Now, I'm certain if somebody were to come in and requested membership, yet deny the humanity of Christ, they would be rejected. Because the teaching they bring, an understanding of Christ, is not of God. Now, we have to, to study this verse carefully. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, is of God. Now we're speaking, John is speaking about the spirit of which this teaching comes from. So he's not speaking specifically about salvation here. He's saying the teaching itself is of God. If it's not, if it's denying the humanity of Christ, then it is not of God. And we have to be careful because somebody could bring that teaching, somebody could bring that truth, but could have another aspect of the gospel wrong. Or they could even understand and proclaim this truth, but not trust in Christ. James 2.19 Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. So just because someone may believe that Christ came in the flesh, they could even preach on it, it doesn't mean that they are saved. What John is saying here, that this doctrine here that Christ took on human flesh is a teaching of God and can be trusted so we have to be wise when we listen to someone when somebody comes in and maybe proclaim the truth it's just this aspect doesn't mean that they are still of God that teaching is of God here as we see so a person could believe and confess this yet deny Christ's atoning work it wouldn't make them a Christian but it doesn't mean that their view of Christ's humanity is wrong. So whilst we must reject the false teacher, um, if they were to deny the humanity of Christ, we have to be careful how we do this. So for example, if somebody were to come in and to deny the humanity of Christ, if we said, no, that is wrong, and did away with all their teaching, there may be other aspects that they get right. And for a new believer, that could be troubling. I've I've seen it with new believers who have listened to false teachers and have, when they've heard that one aspect is wrong, they've rejected the whole teaching from them. Whilst we should, and uh, and rightly so, not listen to them ever again if they are rejecting Christ, we've got to be careful that we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and reject all of the teaching. There may be aspects that is true. And this is why we see under false teaching, lots and lots of people walking away from the faith. We see it particularly in the prosperity gospel. When they proclaim a false Christ, people will go, they will listen for a time and realise that there is corruption there and then walk away completely from their faith because they believe that all that they have heard is wrong. So we have to be careful. We have to understand that um, we have to discern where the teaching is coming from. So having laid out that the true, <clears throat> the truth that Christ has come in the flesh and that this is indeed a true and correct doctrine, John seeks to reinforce the point and be clear by stating that those who deny Christ's humanity bring a teaching of the Antichrist. And this is making the point here that we cannot now mess about with these things. We cannot take 
this lightly. And we see this in verse 3. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come. And even now already is it in the world. So quite clearly, John shows that if someone denies that Christ came in the flesh, that spirit of teaching is of the Antichrist. And the Antichrist is opposed, is against God and seeks to pervert and corrupt his church through, one way is through false teaching. So as believers, we must be aware and alert to the Antichrist of this world. And again, we see here, one warning sign is that they reject the humanity of Christ. And since the um, birth of the of the New Testament church, there has been a, an attack against the teaching. And if you, if you want, you can spend a little time going through various heresies that we're, we're trying to creep, creep into the early church. And we can learn a lot from them. We can learn a lot from how... Um, the early church dealt with these heresies. Now, one of these was um, Docetism. This is this is a heresy that states that um, Christ did not come and take on human flesh. Basically, it's saying that Christ seemed to come in the flesh. It taught that Jesus only appeared only appeared to have a body, but was not truly incarnate. They viewed matter the physical world as inherently evil and therefore rejected the idea that God could actually appear in bodily form. That if Christ did appear in bodily form, he would be a sinner because all that is physical is evil. But by denying Jesus truly had a body, they also denied that he suffered on the cross and rose from the dead because if he didn't actually have a body, then he could not have suffered. He couldn't have physically been nailed to the cross and he wouldn't have physically died and physically risen. And this obviously has huge consequences. There's an outright denial of Christ's atoning work on the cross. We know that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So without a physical body, there is no blood, there is no salvation. And this teaching also undermines the whole of scripture. Genesis 3.15, God says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So we have a promise of a saviour there. God is saying to Satan that through Eve, through her seed, down the line, a saviour will come, and he will crush Satan. So rejecting the humanity of Christ attacks this promise of a saviour in Genesis. And this is the same promise, what is in Genesis, is given to Abraham and Sarah. And he's, he's passed on to David that a saviour would come through their line. So if Christ did not take on human flesh, then this promise of God is not true. But we know that's not the case. So this is why we cannot tolerate this false teaching. It makes God out to be a liar. It does away with his promise of a saviour. It attacks the heart of the gospel. And we cannot allow this in Christ's church. Now this teaching, another false teaching, is in the world. 
We cannot hide ourselves away from this. The devil will seek to bring it in, in some way. And we cannot think it will never happen. Because as we have just read, it is in the world. The world is seeking to attack Christ's church. Should we be concerned about false teaching? Yes. Should we be concerned that we are not taken away with it? Yes. But also we can be comforted and be assured that we can prevail against it. Verse 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. What a wonderful verse this is to encourage the church. John is reminding us here that we are of God. We have overcome false spirits, the lies and the antichrists. How? Because we are in Christ. He abides in us and us in him. And he is greater than the evil in this world. We go back to Genesis 3.15. Christ, the seed of Eve, would crush the head of Satan. So in Christ's life, And on the cross and in his resurrection, Christ has defeated the works of Satan. For those who the Father has chosen and given the gift of faith, they are secure in Christ. John 10, 28 and 29. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. In Christ, we are secure. If false teaching is to come, we abide in Christ and we'll be safe from this. So in Christ, we have overcome and escaped the false teachings about Christ and we will not fall for them because we are the children of God. We can be at peace. We don't have to worry about finding out every false teaching that may come. We don't have to run around and and search about every aspect, every... um, false teacher that there is we don't have to guess what may be round the corner because we rest in christ we focus on christ we joyfully read his word because we love him dearly and want to know more of him so in this we abide in him and we are safe and this is not because of our own efforts but because he has overcome the evil one he works in us he has given us new desires to search him and to be in him So in Christ, in this gift of faith, we are safe and nothing can pluck us out of his hand. And then John now moves on further. He wants to really hammer home that there has to be a separation, a complete separation between false teaching and the true teaching of scripture. Verse five and six. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So John here has separated false teachers from the believers. He's separating those who promote a false gospel and those who stick to the true gospel and proclaim the true gospel in Christ. He's saying those that seek to corrupt the gospel and deny the humanity of 
Christ are of Satan. And those who trust in Christ and proclaim the true gospel are of God. And we, and we see this, don't we? We see this in the world. John is saying, look, those who are of the world, the world will listen to them. The world will not listen to the truth. And we just have to look at the, what the world loves. It's what Satan offered Christ, isn't it? The kingdoms of the world and their glory. People want and desire the things of this world. Money, power, praise and all the lusts that go with them. So if a false teacher has come in and he's preaching a false gospel, the world will love them. And this is why we have to be careful. If the world loves a preacher, then we have to really check out what they preach. It's more than likely what they will be offering the hearers are the things of this world. Glenn mentioned some of it this morning, the seeker-sensitive. I think it's safe to to have a guess and, and state that there will be no real majors on the humanity of Christ in such places. Because they won't really be touching on the atoning work of Christ. They will not speak of his blood being spilled because that will mean that he's had to die for our sins. There won't be any mention of this. So the false teachers of the world will bring a false gospel because they don't want people to feel guilt. They don't want them to understand that Christ died for the sins of those who believe. But the opposite will be said of the believer. Those who are of God will hear the teachings of scripture. They will not seek to twist or pervert the word of God. The person of God will want to know more and grow in the knowledge of Christ. They will not settle for a false Christ, a false Jesus. And it's here in this distinction between those of the world and those of of God that we must really take seriously. Because it does seem that more and more churches are happy to mix with the world. They're happy to mix with a false view of Christ. Scripture does not support this. If someone has a false view of Christ or a false doctrine that perverts the gospel, we, we shouldn't think, oh well, they got that wrong. But we'll listen to all of this. We'll carry on because it will go through all their teaching. We can't say, oh, they've got Jesus wrong, but I'll still listen to them on this aspect. I think they've got this bit right. They've got Christ wrong, but I'm going to follow them anyway. The, the scriptures doesn't allow us to, to make that choice. We are to dismiss them. We are to cut away and not listen to them anymore. There is no option for us to mix the world's teaching with the teachings of scripture. We see it clearly. There is light and there is dark. There is right, there is wrong, there is truth and there are lies. There is no grey. There is no mixing of the world and the church. The Lord does not look favourably on his bride seeking the wisdom of the world and seeking after another. The Old Testament showed that when Israel mixed with the world, everything went wrong. They couldn't be both God's people and worship the idols of other nations. They always pursued the idols of the other nations. They never did the two and then focused on God. They always chased the things of the world. Christ's church cannot be his church if it accepts a false view of him. It is no longer his church. If it walks hand in hand with those who preach a false gospel, 
It is no longer Christ's church. We must reject the false. We cannot play with the fires of heresy and a false view of Christ and not expect to be burned. Now to conclude in all of this, for those who believe and trust in Christ and have been given the gift of faith, we love him, don't we? We love him because he first loved us and has saved us from our sins. So now we are called to test the spirits, to fight against the false teachers and the message that they bring. So let's seek through his grace to know Christ and to know his word more so we can keep watch and we can fight for the truth. Let us always seek to confess the truths of scripture and be built up in his word and his word alone. We must separate ourselves from those who promote a false gospel. We must separate ourselves from those who seek to diminish the works of Christ and add to the gospel. By his love, he has brought us out of the world and now we are of him. And because the Holy Spirit works in us, we can understand Christ's word. We can discern what is the spirit of truth and what is the spirit of lives. Of, of lies. And we can remember what our Lord prayed for us in his high priestly prayer. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As though, <clears throat> as thou hast sent me into the world, Even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Amen.